Hey, I've got a weapon more powerful than anything you've got in your closet. Stick around. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, our sponsor today is Harry's. You hear me talk about him a lot. Got some interesting stories today and an interesting question about Harry's. The Razor Company, where I get my razors, you can use 48 days as a code to get five bucks off your first purchase. I'll tell you a little bit more about that coming up shortly here. Well, here's my theme for today. You don't need a gun to do this. I mentioned that I've got a weapon. I'm going to tell you what that is here in a little bit. You'll be pleasantly surprised. Well, some of the questions we're going to be answering today. Dan, what is my acres of diamonds? You know, sometimes the best opportunities are right under our nose. We just don't recognize them because we're used to seeing it. We don't recognize the value in it. Well, how about this, Dan? Can we just stop killing bees? Yeah, kind of an off track question in a way, but nope, it ties right in. And somebody wants to know, is self-publishing only for losers? Well, we'll look at that. A lot of you are in the self-publishing space. A lot of you have books, eBooks, things that you put out there. I've got some books here that I want to share with you that people sent to me this week. I don't look quickly to see, oh, was this random house or was this somebody that did it themselves? Yeah, a lot of factors go into that. We'll unpack that a little bit. Well, here's our quotation. And it comes from Ferdinand Folk, who was a French soldier and writer died many years ago, was born back in the 1800s. He said, the most powerful weapon on earth is the human soul on fire. Now, I heard, heard that recently from my friend, Carrie Oberbrunner, when we did Escaping Shawshank. I mean, Carrie's whole theme for his business is igniting souls. But he says, the most powerful weapon on earth is the human soul on fire. You know, a lot of times people are just kind of mediocrity they're just kind of in the middle in terms of really doing something that engages their passion and we're getting ready to have our coaching with excellence event here by the time you hear this it will be well underway but one of the things that i look for right out of the gate with people are you committed to coaching or are you just interested there's a big difference there if you're committed you'll do anything that it takes to be successful if you're just interested and that's okay, but that means that you're just kind of exploring and you may at the end of the time decide, no, it's not for me. Not right or wrong, but we just want to know, are you committed or are you interested? And a lot of people approach something like a new business and they go into it and it's obvious that they were just interested. They weren't really committed. And if you're just interested, the first obstacle that comes along, probably going to redirect you to something else. So just make that distinction. Well, hey, thanks to all of you for sending in your notes, the continuing notes coming in about how to raise creative children. And again, we're going to be doing a theme podcast coming up. I think that's going to be like November 20th that will, I'll have Joanne coming in the studio, maybe even some of my own children to help me unpack this idea. How do you raise creative children? 
Now, that may be entrepreneurial, meaning they'll do something on their own. I mean, keep in mind, golly, the statistics these days are phenomenal. I mean, like 67% of college kids say that they don't want to work for somebody. They just want to do something on their own. That's a major pendulum swing from what it used to be where we go through college, find the right company, get that great job, stay there for 35 years, get that golden watch, and then retire for the next 20 years. Well, that's a broken model. Kids coming into the workplace today, they don't want to do that. That's not the American dream to them to just grind it out, go to the salt mines for 35 years, and then, you know, sit on a fishing bank or on a golf course for 20 years. I mean, think about the age that most people used to retire. Even if we bump that up to like 65, I mean, at 65, a lot of people are going to have another 20, 30 years. Do you really want to do nothing? Well, certainly not those that are coming into the workplace and growing up today, they don't have that image at all to just make enough money to meet their own needs and then unplug and do nothing. No, you know, thankfully more and more people are figuring out what is it that I can do that has value? What is it that does engage my passion and talent on a continuing basis until the day I die, not 20 years before I die. That's not a model that people are looking for at all. But anyway, hey, thanks for those notes that are coming in. If you've got ideas about how to raise creative children, please continue to send your thoughts. Send them to this unique email address. Send that to kids at 48days.com. Kids at 48days.com. Yeah, and Joanne's going to come in with me, and we're going to be doing a special themed show for November 20th on the 48 Days Podcast right here. Well, let's hit some success stories. Jeff Jones, now Jeff has been around in the 48 Days community for quite some time. Jeff made a transition a couple years ago. He was the drummer for the Christian music group, Big Big Daddy Weave, you know, great group. But uh, Jeff got tired of being out on the road, gone from his family, made a transition, doing some really cool things. He does drumsticks that are personalized. I've got some here in my office I got a set that says Dan Miller on them. And I've also got a set that says 48 days. They're really cool. And Jeff just hit a little opportunity there being a drummer himself. And he has really knocked it out of the park. Now that's an example of the kind of ideas that we're going to be talking about with some of the questions today as well. Sometimes those ideas are right under our noses, just like it was with Jeff. He was a drummer, but instead of just finding more gigs to play the drums, he saw an opportunity to do creative drum sticks for other drummers. And that has done really well for him. But Jeff is also a speaker and, and he commented he's in Kent Julian's group has been through Kent Julian's program on speak it forward. Kent's boot camp for speakers. And now is very active in the speak it forward group in 48 days.net. But Jeff says, Hey guys, I wanted to share a huge victory. I just got this testimony from a teacher at my recent workshop. At a summer conference last week, mind blown. I've been working on this process for two years. And his comment is don't give up. But this is a comment from one of the teachers at the event. Mr. Jones, I just wanted to say thank you again for such an inspiring presentation at the AACTE conference. This was by far the best speaker presenter I've witnessed in my eight years of attending this conference. I must admit that I normally dread this conference with a passion, but you help breathe new life into it for me this year. I would love to see you as a guest speaker for future FBLA events. I truly believe the students would benefit from hearing you as well. 
Shelley B. Now, isn't that a cool deal to get that kind of testimonial? Came off the road as a drummer, found some new areas of opportunity that leveraged what he had already done, which is always the way that it is. I mean, you, uh, let me just insert something here. Joanne, my wife, was just in my office. And she has somebody who, she has some artist here, and she has one of the artists who wants to purchase one of her paintings. Well, she put a price on it, and the lady said, I want that. And Joanne just came in, and she's like, oh, my gosh, you know, I probably have 4 or $5 in the materials. And I said, yes, honey, but that's not the point at all. You have your time, your talent, and the years of experience that have made you capable of doing what you do today as an artist. And when you evaluate all that, there's a whole lot that goes into it. I mean, just like when we work with our coaches, I mean, you don't just decide, okay, today I'm a coach, so I'm going to start fresh. No, you bring to the table all the years of life experience that have brought you to the point where you are now, where you have something of value to offer people when you're coaching. That's where, that's why you can start doing something like that and where it does have value. I had a real estate broker. This has been a couple of years ago now, but wanted me to come in and do a workshop for his real estate agents. There's a particular presentation that I was doing on leadership development, how to understand yourself. So it makes you more effective when you engage with customers and clients. They wanted me to come in and do that it was a three hour workshop. And I said, sure, be happy to do that. I usually limit it to 20 people. It's $3,500. And he was like, you gotta be kidding me. That's more than a thousand dollars an hour. I said, Oh my goodness. You know, I'm, I'm sorry you view it that way, but you're not paying me for three hours. You're paying me for the last 25 years of preparation that I've done so that I can come in and provide something of value. We need to change it around like that. But anyway, congratulations to Jeff for leveraging what he's doing. Aaron Casey. Now Aaron's a contributing ed- editor for success magazine, but also helps writers And she has, she says, I'm putting out a call for guest post on my site, mywritersconnection.com. So if you just go to mywritersconnection.com, you can, it's a place where published and aspiring authors can find encouragement, advice, and inspiration. Uh, The audience includes bloggers, coaches, speakers, and experts who have a message to share. If you are an author, blogger, or freelancer and would like to share insights or lessons you've learned through the process of writing, publishing, or selling your book, let's talk. You can send me a message or just email me at info at mywritersconnection.com. Now, that's a great way to get in the game, to start building your own audience, your own reputation, your own brand by guest posting. And Erin is very recognized in the writing world, and she's opening the door to guest post on her site. Be a great way to get in the game. Now I've got some, I always have books sent to me every week and I love the fact that you all, you know, share those with me. Got a brand new book from Ted Shire titled everyone needs sustainability, how everyone can make a difference. Looks like a really well-researched book. I'll be eager to get into that. Here's one from Tom Hendrickson. And it's titled Cracking the Career Code, The Guide to Understanding Your Options After High School. Now, it's a little book, but I love how it's done, how easily it's laid out. Cracking the Career Code, Tom Hendrickson. Had a book sent to me by Sutton Parks, who has been, again, connected with 
48 days for a very long time, doing a lot of innovative things himself. But he sent me a copy of Ogmandino's University of Success. It's just a compilation of quotations, great anecdotal stories, things that I'll reference again and again and again. Thank you, Sutton, for that. And then got a copy of a brand new book from Eddie Hurston. Now, Eddie was here for one of our conferences about three years ago. She did a little book then about art, but she's got a brand new book out called The Alchemy of Art. And she took old folk tales and then pulls out kind of the moral of the story as it relates to people helping to release and produce their own art. It's really, really a delightful book. We're thrilled to share the story about that. Joanne started reading it and couldn't stop. Anyway, that was in the mail on Saturday. Uh, but on Saturday, again, we got four books sent to me. That's pretty typical for those coming in. But I'm happy to share on here, telling people what it is you're doing in your work. But again, congratulations to those people. And we're delighted to get that little book from Addie. I'm sure we're going to be sharing things from that book. As a matter of fact, I've already, I've got Joanne lined up to read the first chapter from that book as part of my opening presentation for Coaching with Excellence. It ties in that well. It's a beautiful, beautiful illustration that I want to tie into beginning coaches. Well, hey, just another mention here. Uh, you heard me talk about harrys.com, where I buy my razors, the way I start my day fresh, fresh and clean as a daisy, I guess. But uh, I love to use the Harry's product. Um, their slogan is handsomer, sharperer, less expensiver. I mean, I love the kind of cute things they do to get us engaged, but they got great products, German engineering, ergonomic handles. Now I use the Truman set. If you go to the site, harrys.com, of course, please go there, but uh, you can use 48 days as a code to get $5 off your purchase. Now the set, the complete set with blades, the, the foaming gel, the whole deal is only 15 bucks. So if you put in your $5 off with 48 days as the code, it's going to drop it down to 10. What a deal. It's not like some fancy schmancy expensive thing out of your league at all. You know, the other night, Joanne and I were just wanting to relax. We've been extremely busy, sat down, Joanne flipped on our Amazon prime movies. And there was a title there that kind of intrigued me. It was the, an unfinished life. And it had in it Jennifer Lopez, Robert Redford, Morgan Freeman, an unfinished life. Really pretty interesting story, kind of tragic in some ways. But Robert Redford was this old, angry, hostile, sarcastic, mean granddad in the movie. Well, guess what? You can look at him and tell what his personality was like because of the way he dressed, certainly what came out of his mouth, but also you know, messed up hair, not shaven. And I thought about Harry's razors at the time. Now his good friend in the movie and a guy who worked for him was Morgan Freeman and Morgan Freeman, even though he was severely injured from having been mauled by a bear every morning, he'd sit up in bed and shave to start the day clean shaven. And his whole attitude was so different attitude of gratitude, shared compliments, kind words with everybody who came within sight of him or in any kind of proximity at all. And I thought the whole thing just fits together. But sometimes I see people walking around their physical appearance lets me know what kind of personality they have. And sometimes that goes with being unshaven. Now, if you got a beard, I mean, that that's cool. If you want to be Santa Claus or whatever, Hey, that's fine. 
and, and certainly there are guys who have goatees or some beards that are nicely trimmed, but to just be totally unshaven, I usually equate that with, you know, some guys just, you know, working the telephone line or, you know, has a job where he really doesn't care at all how, what people think of him. But then I wonder, what about that guy's wife? What about that guy's children? What kind of a message is he sending to them? Well, yeah, I need to keep a stock of Harry's shavers here so I can give them out. Here, here's another cute connection. This I love these kind of connections. My name is Adam, Dan. I'm from Sydney, Australia. I've been a keen listener to your podcast for a little while now. Your words of encouragement have helped breathe life into many things I'm working on. Resultantly, I am always quick to recommend your podcast or resources whenever I meet someone that I think will listen. The ongoing sponsorship that the 48 Days podcast receives from Harry's Razors has been a great point of interest to me. Ever since I first listened to you describe the experience of shaving with Harry's products, I've been enthralled by the concept of Harry's. I believe that Harry's core principles of respect and quality introduced to men's shaving would do incredibly well in the Australian market. And I've conducted some research that I think proves this. I hope it's not too much to ask, but would it be possible for you to refer me on to one of your mates at Harry's? I'm certain that I have a pretty solid method to help Harry's distribute here so that the men of Australia too can ex- enjoy the experience of a shaving with a system that respects your face and your wallet. Thanks, Adam Boyd. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely. I'll be delighted to connect you with some the mates and matesses at Harry's. Thanks for your connection there and for following up on that. You know, and who knows? I mean, would that be cool for somebody like Adam to get this distribution rights for Australia and just rock and roll with that one simple idea? Well, this comes from, um, this comes from Brett who says, well, this is funny. It's, it says, Mr. Ramsey, thank you for your podcast. Well, how kind of you to thank me, but my name is not Mr. Ramsey. It's Mr. Miller, but that, that happens a lot. Anyway, she says, I'm in the middle of a job search that could end up in relocating. Our current cost of living is very low and will increase upon relocating. My wife and I don't want to be blindsided by a significant increase in expenses. Some living factors are easy to research online, but others are not. Do you know of any good resources that help with the cost of living comparisons? Also, do you recommend any salary calculators? Well, yeah, I sure do. Right? Yeah, it's pretty easy to do. And the one that I use is salary.com. Now, here's how, how refined this is. I mean, this is really a great source. But he, here's an example. I put in that I'm, I put in that I'm making $40,000 a year and live in Nashville, Tennessee, and I want to move to Seattle, Seattle, Washington. That's it. So if you go to salary.com and really there's a couple links there, but you ought to be able to find it. Just go to work and life. And then right under that, the first tab is going to be cost of living calculator. So salary.com work and life, then cost of living calculator. So that's where I put in $40,000 now at a job in Nashville, Tennessee. I want to move to Seattle, Washington. And it says, the cost of living in Seattle, Washington is 32.9% higher than in Nashville, Tennessee. Therefore, you would have to earn a salary of $53,154 to maintain your current standard of living. Employers, however, in Seattle typically pay 
13.1% more than employers in Nashville, Tennessee. Therefore, if you take the same type of job in the same type of company in Seattle, you're likely to earn 45254 Okay, now I don't know if you followed all of that, but you're, you're likely just to take the, exactly the same kind of job, you're going to be paid 13.1% more. However, the cost of living is 32.9% more, which means that you really need to bump that up, not to just $45,000, but to $53,000. But that's how precise and how informative those uh, cost of living calculators can be. So you can put in any kind of position anywhere you live and then compare it to someplace else to see exactly what you need to do to uh, be at the same level. Now, certainly what I expect, I mean, I don't expect just flat moves, horizontal moves. If you're going to move, take it as an opportunity to do something creative. Take it as an opportunity to double your income not just to try to replace it and be at the same point. I mean, I, I don't understand somebody saying, well, we want to move to be closer to family and I just need to, you know, replicate the 40,000 or 60,000 or 80,000 or whatever. Golly, see that as a time to take a fresh look at who you are and what you bring to the table. I mean, what you have to offer now ought to be a lot different than what you had to offer 10 years ago or even five years ago, and certainly 20 years ago. I mean, you're a different person. You got to be prepared to bring more value to the table. So take those changes as an opportunity to plug those things in as well. Now, this, this is kind of an interesting question here, and I'll, I, I included it just because I thought it was interesting. That's all. And, and because there's a connection for me personally. But this comes from Jasmine Kiera Snow. All right. Jasmine Kira Snow. Hello, Dan. Love your work. Bee pollen is one of my favorite proteins. I believe in the pollen of the bee. Earthland globally is progressively raped by the mask altered designed seed of man-made GMO. How does this affect the medicinal properties of the bee pollen we consume? Well, she goes on and on. And I, and, and questions, you know, do I believe GMO is responsible for the disappearance of millions of bees? In one of Earth's most treasured, needed treasures, the bee pollinator of mass plant life, and so on. Well, Jasmine Kira Snow, who is, she signs as a poetic artist. God, I need to check out your site. I wonder what that means, a poetic artist. Cool title. Anyway, okay, here's the deal. <clears throat> I'm not a bee expert and I'm not a GMO expert. I'm certainly not going to make myself out to be that. But I know that bees are disappearing. I know that bees help with pollination. I have bees on our property. I mean, I love walking back there and just watching them. I love their work habits. There's so many metaphors that we can pull out of the way that bees work and the things that bees do. So, yes, I have bees, and I do not allow any spraying on our property. I don't care if we have all kinds of clover or dandelion. Those are things that the bees enjoy. So we don't spray for those things. We love having a natural kind of setting here. You can, you know, people always marvel. Yesterday we had some workers out here, and here comes six wild turkeys strolling across the yard. I mean, very close because they know this is a safe place. You know, then there was a deer that has a little baby fawn right now, but yeah, we, we embrace those kind of things. We're doing our very small part. Now, this is not, I, I certainly don't take any responsibility for repopulating 
the bee population. Um, what I'm doing is a very small microcosm of that. Of course, that's how things do get get done. That's how we make changes is by doing what we can do personally. I don't have to change the whole world, but I can do my part. Now, here's the deal. When you describe what's happening with bees, I want to just remind you the world's biggest problems are also the world's biggest opportunities. And here's another thing. I don't, it doesn't matter where you live. I mean, we we're just talking about moving from Nashville to Seattle. It doesn't matter where you live. Where you live is no longer an advantage or disadvantage. We now have porous borders, meaning it doesn't matter if you live in Nigeria or Ecuador or New Zealand or Brazil or Costa Rica or Washington, D.C. You can connect with people because geography has very little to do with your success. It is not an advantage, nor is it a disadvantage. Now, that's why I wanted to pull this in. Because if the bee challenge concerns you, you can do something about that. You can be a force for that. I was talking recently um, with Jason Russell. Now, Jason Russell was the founder of Invisible Children. You know, built that into a worldwide kind of organization. He's now doing consulting with other nonprofits. And I asked him, I said, you know, Jason, so, you know, what are you doing? He's working on a project with um, IJM. International Justice um, Justice Mission, and that project ends this month. And I said, "What are you going to do? You know, in the next four or five years?" He says, oh, "I, I want to end war." Now, now, how's that for a big goal? He wants to end war, but this guy has a track record of making major shifts in how things are done. He has a golden Rolodex. I mean, if he wants to call up Anderson Cooper or Oprah. Yeah, he can call them up, get their attention because of some of the things he's already done. So certainly that helps. But he also talked about this idea of of how we are more connected. The fact that we have porous borders, the fact that where you live is no longer that much of an issue. But here's the deal. I I did a little research on this. F.A. Hayek was an Austrian economist and philosopher and died many years ago, but He talked about capitalism without going into politics and far be it from me to wade into that water, especially right now with all the garbage floating around out there. Wow. I want to stay as far away as possible in some ways until get a little more refinement. Anyway, capitalism, F.A. Hayek said, is an ever expanding system of cooperation between strangers. The more it's expanded, the better people's lives will be. Our ability to connect and do business with others anywhere is what is reducing violence and poverty around the world. Now, that's part of what I was talking to Jason Russell about. His belief that as we become more connected, now there are four major organizations right now that are working on getting satellites up that are going to take potentially the numbers from one and a half billion people to seven billion people who are connected via cell phones, the Internet. then that could happen in the next four or five years going from one and a half billion to 7 billion. But in doing that, what happens when we're connected, there's less violence and less poverty. Here's what can happen with that. I mean, think about your Facebook friends. So let's say that, um, 
president of the United States says, hey, we're going to go over and we're going to invade Turkey. They did something we don't like. We're going to go over there and we're going to blast them away. Gal, you grab your cell phone and say, now, wait a minute. I've got 183 friends who live in Istanbul. We don't want to do that. That's the re- When we're connected with people, there's less tendency for us to promote violence against them. When I remember when our kids were little, we used to watch a movie called, I think it was called The Ruskies. And it was when the Cold War was high. And we assumed that everybody in Russia, you know, wanted to kill us. And in the movie, you know, some kids got together from Russia and the United States and they discovered, hey, we're, we got the same kind of goals. You know, we, we want to play together. We want to do things together. We aren't enemies. Well, that's what happens when you meet people face to face. They're less likely to be seen as an enemy. Hey, try it out on a, on a local level if you want to. And trust me, it, you'll find that it's true. So just be reminded in this, those big problems that you see in the world are big opportunities as well. Hey, take advantage of that. Well, hey, let me introduce a little transition here. Just to remind you, you're listening to Real Questions. Real people out there just like you and me. You got a question, I'd love to hear it here. We'll introduce it. Keep the show interesting. I love that magical time of the week when I open that mailbox and look at the questions you all have sent in. So you can go to 48days.com, click on the Ask Dan link, and you'll see a red starburst there where you can introduce your question or comment or success story. Or you can just send it in directly to askdan at 48days.com. All right, Ask Dan. At 48days.com. Well, this comes from Justin. Now, this is a very interesting perspective. And a whole lot of you will identify with what Justin is asking about here. He says, Dan, I was listening to one of your recent podcasts and something really caught my attention. During the podcast, you were responding to a question about intellectual property. Oh, wait a minute. This is not the one I was thinking about. This is another one. Okay. Intellectual property. You gave an example of how someone had bought out the rights to a burn cut healing salve that was originally designed for pets. But now that person bought the rights is choosing to market it for human use. This is very interesting to me. And I never thought of doing this. My background is in mechanical engineering, which I love. And I've struggled with trying to come up with this great invention. I've never thought of cheaply purchasing the rights to a design that never did well and looking for ways to improve it or change the way it is marketed. My wife's background is in marketing. Lucky me. Would you share more details about the person who did this or perhaps connect me with him? I'm a member of 48days.net, but couldn't figure out a way to email you directly from there. Okay, well, that that ought to be easy to email me from 48days.net. But certainly I give out enough email addresses here. You can shoot an email to me at any given time. Okay. Hey, Justin, thanks for your note. Now, here's the deal. I, I did share about that. Met with a young guy who's just a real creative, inventive kind of guy. Has started multiple companies. But he had this company where they had a product that was designed for dogs and cats for wounds. However, he told me stories about that being used by people for a whole lot of other things. And it was just a fascinating story. Now, he was dealing with FDA requirements to get that approved for human use. And it's a bureaucratic nightmare, a gauntlet to get through to get that done. 
And frankly, I'm not sure if he ever accomplished that. Now, I just emailed him. I won't share his name here because I don't want a lot of you to bombard him, but I, I did just email him to see what developed with that process. In the meantime, I did have some of that cream. He gave me some tubes, some vials of the cream. Designed, it clearly states on there it's for dogs and cats, but it's for wound healing. And I had a recent episode where I was chasing one of my granddaughters, fell did a face plant, and I mean really trashed my face. Forehead, nose, upper lip, chin, big, big scabs all the way down. I used that cream on my face, and it is nothing short of miraculous how it healed. I did that. I fell on a Wednesday. By Friday, it looked horrendous. I mean, I've got pictures that look like you know, Freddy Krueger. Um, and I was doing a video shoot. A video crew was due in town on Monday and Tuesday. That was on Friday. I used that cream. By Monday, we went into video. Nobody will ever know what my face looked like three days prior. So it's an amazing kind of product. Now, relative to your question, you say that your background is in mechanical engineering, Justin, and there may be ideas that are right there under your nose. You know, that's where most people get their best ideas. I mean, success might be a whole lot closer than you think. Most of those great ideas are, in fact, right under our nose. Now, the Acres of Diamonds story, now we give this out as a, as a PDF e-book. I don't remember exactly how you get it. I think when you sign up for a newsletter, you still get that as one of the bonus items. But Acres of Diamonds is essentially this. True story told many years ago, Russell Conway told a story. There was a gentleman in South Africa who had this little pitiful farm. And, but he kept hearing about people over in the Gold Coast who were finding diamonds. And he thought, I don't want to die on this wretched little farm here. I'm going to sell this piece for whatever I can get out of it. And I'm going to go to the Gold Coast and find diamonds. So he did exactly that. He sold his farm. He went to the Gold Coast searched, never found anything. Finally, in a fit of despair, threw himself into the ocean and drowned. Well, meanwhile, back at the ranch, so to speak, and literally in this case, that little farm, the guy who had that found this really interesting stone on the property, brought it in, set it on his mantle. Well, a few days later, a friend came by and said, oh my gosh, where did you get that stone? The guy says, well, it's on a little creek that runs through my farm here. I just picked it up because I thought it looked interesting, brought it in, set it on the mantle. That turned out to be one of the largest uncut diamonds in history. And it turns out that little creek that ran through that guy's old decrepit farm was in fact turned out one to be the most profitable, lucrative diamond mines in history. Now I love that story for a couple reasons. One is diamonds in their rough form don't look like what you walk into a jewelry store and see. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of polish. It takes a lot of, you know, grit to turn it into from the rough stone into something really valuable. So there's that part. The other part is a lot of times our best opportunities are not on the other side of the world or in the next country or even the next state or the next cubicle. A lot of times our best ideas are right under our nose. We just need to look at them differently. Now, I'm one that I get the shiny object syndrome, you know, really bad. I mean, I, I love new ideas. I love hearing about new ideas. I love seeing new ideas and exploring new ideas on my own. 
Now, we have 48 days to the work you love material. Have had, as you've heard me talk, it's now in its 10th anniversary edition in hardback, and I was selling it for about five years prior to that in the three-ring binder form. So it's been around 15 years. We've sold a lot of books, and a book has served me well, no doubt about it. But right now, you know what I'm working on? The 48 Days Seminar. The 48 Days Seminar. I put an enormous amount of time into and have a team working with me to develop the new workbook. Dr. Terry Hathaway has been heading that up. has done a marvelous job of creating a workbook that goes so far beyond any materials I've ever had. It's amazing. So we're going to have that. New videos, the whole thing. We're going to introduce that here in September. Have organizations that are waiting to introduce that as a core curriculum in churches, universities, and so on. So here's my goal. Now, this is material that's been sitting around here for 15 years. I'm turning it into this seminar. My goal next year is to get that in a thousand organizations. Now, that's not some just grandiose number. I mean, golly, Dave Ramsey with financial pieces and way, way, way more than that. Uh, companies that have products like divorce care and grief share, you see those banners in churchyards. I mean, they're in like 14,000 churches alone. So my goal is to get it into a thousand organizations next year where they average using just 10 seminar packages a month. That's it. But those numbers, as reasonable as I think they are, that would add $700,000 a month in revenue or $8.4 million annually. Now, is it better for me to go out here and try to find a new business to start? You know, find some, some new idea to chase? or to develop what's right under our nose. What I've already nurtured, have a ready market for that. I just need to prepare it in a different way. That's where my time goes. But think about the things where just common products have been repurposed. I mean, golly, discarded pallets that are just seen as junk to be thrown away because they're, they're made out of a really low-grade wood. It's not something solid. They're very porous. Got a lot of you know, open space in them and all. Well, guess what? Now guys are chopping those up. It makes a real light, airy, um, compression friendly mulch that's in high demand for children's playgrounds. And I love those kind of things. When, when we talk about taking something that has already been used and is being discarded and you're going to reuse it again, it's called upcycling. But think about the, the way that wine bottles, cans, newspapers, milk cartons, tires, suitcases, I mean, you name it. There's all kinds of things that have been upcycled. I mean, old bicycle parts. And I have a friend here in Franklin, Tennessee, Dick Gigi, who has an organization called Thrift Smart, where people donate things and it creates jobs for people who would otherwise have a hard time getting jobs. And then the money created from that Dick gives to his favorite charities at the end of the year. But they get a lot of one of the things donated a lot like Salvation Army or Goodwill is blue jeans. Well, in Dick's organization, those blue jeans that don't sell in 30 days aren't hauled to the landfill. Those are bundled up, sent to Belize, where women there then turn those into very high-end handbags. And even like yesterday, there was a, a tree company at my neighbor's house. They're taking out a big tree. Well, I have an enormous pile of tree mulch here on my property. I use it for our nature trails, for playground areas. I have neighbors that come over and want some. And I just readily I use my bucket on my tractor. I'll load them up, have all you want. It's a ready resource. Everybody thinks I'm lucky for getting that. No, 
we just simply befriended the tree companies in the area that are usually seen as the enemy, frankly, but we just befriended them, gave them an opportunity to dump those loads on my property rather than having to drive 20 miles out into the country to a landfill. And we reuse it and see it as a great benefit. When Jared, my son was in Africa originally, he wanted to work with uh, those that the Bible calls the least of these women who are extremely marginalized, disadvantaged. And he had them using old catalogs, brochures, calendars, discarded paper. They would roll it up and it created this real high end jewelry that was then, you know, put lacquer on it and it was brought back here in whole, sold at high fashion shows in Chicago, Nashville, New York, Miami, places like that. But it's just, you know, how to see an idea. So uh, Justin is a long answer to your question, but if you've got an idea about how to use something that maybe is already right there, maybe just a repurposing, I mean, the, the, the things that make people extremely wealthy are usually where we take something existing and just do it 10% better or add a little bonus value to it. I mean, think about when Domino's got into the pizza business, you would think, okay, I'm going to get in the pizza business. So I have to compete with little Caesars and pizza hut and all the others. So I have to either make a better pizza or sell it cheaper. Domino's didn't do either one of those things. What they did was guaranteed 30 minute delivery and it made millionaires all across the country, just an added value to an already existing product. A lot of things may be right under your nose where you could do the same. Hey, I've got a, got a piece here, uh, just, just a little bonus for you. If you've stuck with me this long, I get excited about these ideas. This week, the Entree Leadership Podcast that Dave Ramsey's organization does, hosted by Ken Coleman, who is an amazing interviewer, but I'm the guest on there. Love doing the interview with him, been on multiple times, but uh, that did that interview about how to combine, how to blend your passion talent and money. Talked about that. If you want a refresher on that, it's about 20 minutes long. Check out the Entree Leadership Podcast. But as a back-end bonus to Dave's people, I've got a link. If you go to 48days.com slash Dave, it'll take you right to a free download of my 48 lower no-cost business ideas. Now, I'll also give you some other things as well. We, well, we promoted in there that I was giving away 48 copies of the brand new version of 48 Days to the Work You Love. And believe me, by the time you're hearing, those are long gone. So don't expect that. But you can still get, if you use that link, 48days.com slash Dave, you can still get the 48 lower no cost business ideas books that have been a really popular item for us here. Well, you know, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the fact that when you when you do something unusual you take you know you're going to take wine bottles and you're going to re- reprocess those repurpose those you're going to take an old tire and turn it into something new this is what you're going to hear from people this is an old beatles song yeah people are going to say you're crazy bound to happen bound to happen well you know what as much as i well let's just get another line here and then i'm going to move on i got another question i want to get in here you're not happy now you no longer play the game well we'll stop it right there great song we'll come back to that another day he got a question here this comes in from justin and justin says 
Dan, this is more of a story than a question. I'm going to go through this quickly because we got to wrap up. This week, my sister-in-law was in town from Oregon. She's a reference librarian. She reads a lot of outside outside of work. She mostly reads the classical type of hoity-toity artistic fiction. Not a lot of nonfiction. She was telling us about a friend of hers who stated that self-publishing is beneath her. My sister-in-law said that her friend has told her she would rather be published by an actual publishing house because that would tell her that her writing was good. I jokingly mentioned that the starving artist who thinks everyone will just flock to her writing because people will innately know how amazing of a writer she is. I also stated there are a lot of self-published authors who are making bank, both fiction and non. Now, she goes on with what the question is there, but basically... Uh, the implication from his sister-in-law was that if somebody self-publishes, you know, they're just not good enough to get a real publisher. And it probably really, you know, the work is not that great. Wow. That is so not true in today's environment. And I, you've heard me talk about this. There are a whole lot of reasons for self-publishing today. It's never been easier. However, let me, let me just say this as well. Now, Joanne had a book out, last year be your finest art we self-published that it's heavy book it's full every page is full color it's got a lot of illustrations in it it would scare a publisher to death to do that expensive book we did it ourselves we intended from day one to do it that way we had it published or printed in china because of the savings and cost and we love 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 that book she's got a new book coming out creating a haven of peace that is going to be published by Morgan James Publishing, seventh largest publisher in the United States, very respected publisher. We love working with David Hancock and the team there because that book, we want to have massive exposure, even like in airports and in bookstores. We can't do that as an individual. We could self-publish it and use our own 48 Days Network, but we're never going to get it into places that they have access to. So it makes a lot of sense to do that. But here's the, here's the other side of the equation. Just because a publisher publishes doesn't mean that it's a really, really good writing. And because somebody self-publishes, it's just crap. Not at all. I mean, publishers reject really good writing because the author doesn't have a platform. If you're not already known, you can have a hard time getting a publisher to take on your writing, no matter how good it is. If you already have an audience, you're somebody that's well-known. If you're a Dave Ramsey or a Mike Hyatt or a Jeff Goins or, you know, Jeff Walker, Brendan Bouchard, you can write a book that's really mediocre, frankly, and publishers are going to publish it because they know you have already have an audience and you can start the buzz out there. Eh, there there's just a whole lot of factors to be considered. When I, when we're going to, when we're going to take on a new project, I look at it multiple ways. I talk with publishers and we also talk about doing it ourselves. You know, I talk about what if we just did this ourselves? What it would it look like? What are the advantages and disadvantages? We may look at it four or five different ways, but it certainly does not mean if the writing's not good enough, we have to self-publish it or if they're you know, it just doesn't work that way. Not that kind of direct connection at all. So, hey, Justin, you're right to question it. There's a whole lot of ways to get in the game. There's a whole lot of great writers out there. Yeah, you mentioned like uh, when the Harry Potter series came out. 
you know, she was rejected by 12 different publishers who said, nah, this stuff won't sell. And then had somebody pick it up, and we know the rest is history on that. Don't let somebody else stop you from your dream. I mean, a lot of what we talk about today is just simply how to take an idea, how to put legs on that, how to get in the game, creative, artistic ways if you want to. You just want to be a stellar employee. Certainly many ways to do that, make a strong contribution there. Well, remember, the most powerful weapon on earth is a human soul on fire. Thanks for being part of this community where we, in fact, are finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Don't settle for less. Keys are in